0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 276 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We're recording this very early in the morning on Tuesday, February 2nd. Happy Black History Month. Happy Groundhog Day. Uh, unfortunately for our Blue Devils, February started out on the very wrong foot. We will get into all of that. Donald Wine here, your host for this episode. I got my angry friends to with me to talk about this stupid game we watched last night, Sam Klein and Jason Evans. Jason, on a scale of one to yes, how pissed are you this morning? Oh, I'm yes. I, I figured. I'm, I'm yes. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. Sam, how about you?
1: Is there an extra yes that I can select?
0: Uh, I believe a hell yes would be uh, appropriate. I am definitely a hell yes. We. All I, will, know
1: I, I, I will go for a hell yes.
0: Yeah, we all know why. Let's get right to it. Duke went down to Coral Gables, Florida last night to take on the Miami Hurricanes. It was an incredibly sloppy game. The effort just was not there. They still despite all this had a chance to win it at the end, but they couldn't get a shot off Miami who were 11 point underdog shot Duke 77 to 75 Duke falls to seven and six on the season five and four in the ACC. We're going to break it all down first with the headlines. Jason, I start with you. What is your headline for this game?
2: Just 48 hours after playing their best game of the season, the blue devils play their worst game of the season. Very, very appropriate. Uh, Sam, I mean, there's nothing that, that that's, that's the thing about this team. God, it's just driving me crazy. I got something for you on that too.
1: Go ahead, Sam. Tournament trajectory in doubt for Duke. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I I, will, I guess we'll talk about this a lot, but if if this is a, this is a version of Duke, we're going to see even a couple more times. We like, we know that Duke has been very good at times this year. If this is a version of Duke that we are going to see multiple times down the stretch in ACC play, Duke is not making the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in just a second. My headline uh, ties into Jason's theme. Duke's identity continues to be inconsistency in humiliating loss to Miami. So, I mean, that speaks for itself. We will move to the good. There wasn't a lot of good in this game, but there was some. Sam, you get the first word on that.
1: Oh,
2: boy, I think you've put me in a tough spot. (laughs) Yeah, wait, wait. I I wish people could see the look on Sam's face when he was like, (laughs) wait. I have to say something good. Like he has no idea. I forgot I forgot we do this segment. Uh <laughs> yeah, Mark I, yeah. Williams,
1: here we go. Mark Williams is very good. He has he has progressed as a freshman big man in a way that I don't think we've seen any freshman big man progress. Like in the time that I've been watching Duke basketball, I don't recall anybody who has made the the freshman jump the way that Mark Williams has. There have been guys in the past like Elliot Williams, who started his freshman year kind of rocky, didn't exactly have a space in the lineup. And then towards the end of the season really came on and was strong. But Elliot Williams was like a six, four, six, five guard. And those guys have a much easier time adapting to college than do seven footers who are skinny and, and still trying to figure out how their bodies work. At a, at a young age, so Mark Williams's development on both the offensive and defensive end has been astounding, and unfortunately, does not mirror the development of many of his teammates.
2: What? Why? Why did Mark Williams only get one shot in 15 minutes of playing time? Uh, now, I, I know that he is not a guy where you're going to go to him repeatedly, over and over again, to to generate his own offense. But we only gave him the ball with a chance to score once. How? how I don't, like, I don't understand. I don't understand how like, Duke.
1: And look, we we can go to the we can go to the bad news pretty quickly. But like, I, I know that it's hard to get him the ball. He's a he's a big man. He's in the middle. But we saw just in the last game, and over the last two games, that Duke has learned a little bit how to pass the ball around and and kind of get different guys shots. And there were moments last night where Duke made a few of the right passes. Like there were there were skip passes. There were there were quick entry uh, passes to the interior and then back out to the perimeter to kind of get guys open and, and befuddle the defense. I can't
2: believe we didn't find Mark Williams more for easy baskets. Uh, you know, we have, uh, someone who wrote to us last night, David Kerman wrote to us and pointed this out about Mark. The K man. Yeah. He pointed out that Mark Williams led Duke in assist to turnover ratio last night. He had two assists and one turnover. Um, uh, you know, that's not that's not a great way to lead the team and assist a turnover margin. But at least, you know, when Mark Williams got the ball, he did good things with it. I I don't. And on defense, he was spectacular. He had four block shots. I will I will say when it comes to Mark Williams, we said
0: this last game when the day he figures out that he's the biggest and baddest dude on the court is the day that the game slows down for him. He's found out that he's the biggest, baddest dude in the court. problem is his teammates haven't yet. And we saw that last night when he came in, like you said, he was electric on the defensive end. He was a spark plug on offense, even just, you know, even if he wasn't involved in the play on on a, on a court where Miami is one of the tallest teams in college basketball, he was still the tallest on a team where Miami is one of the biggest teams in college basketball. He was still the biggest. And he, you know, in his 15 minutes, he showed that I think, they need to have more trust in them His players did. And, and last night, they just didn't have trust in him. I did want to move on to another good thing that I, wanted, that I wanted to talk about. And then Jason, I'll bring you in if you have any. DJ Stewart, I thought had a great game from the sense of not just points. He, in my mind, was the only guy other than Mark Williams on the court last night that played with energy the entire game. He's one of the only guys that, if you think about it throughout the season, he may not have a good game, but he always brings the energy. He always tries. To, he's always trying. He's always doing his best. It may not be, you know, where he has an off night. He may shoot bad. He may have a couple of turnovers, but he plays like he, like he is trying to improve. He's plays like he wants the team to win and that he can do something to make the team win. I think we need more guys who can do that every single night because he was it was, it was easily, he easily stood out amongst the rest to me uh, and even Mark Williams, because Mark Williams just wasn't on the floor that long. He stood out as the one guy that throughout this, when we were like, man, we need someone to to play like they care, like they give a damn. He was the one that played like he gave a damn. So I, I will give him all that. He, I mean, he, you know, had a good game statistically as well, but I do think where he showed his best bright side was the fact that he played with
2: energy. He played with urgency and he's been doing that quite a bit this season. So I, I had I had four like one-liners about the good stuff and nothing else. And you guys have taken two of them. One of them was that I thought Mark Williams was a real difference maker when he was in the game. One of them was that I thought that DJ Stewart works hard all the time and, and gets rebounds. I, I, again, was going to point out that DJ – uh, was one of the leading rebounders on the team, and he's just—he—he he, he was the leading offensive rebounder. He's just a guy who, like Donald said, he's playing with energy on a team that does not have a lot of energy, and—and uh, and that's worth mentioning. The other two good things that I had: Duke hit 12 out of 13 free throws. Um, not that 13 free throws is good, but we hit our free throws, which is—which is which is a, you know, I was desperate. I was looking for stuff here, guys. <laughs> 12 out of 13 free throws, so we hit our free throws. That's—that's that's a good thing. And then the last thing I had, I actually thought Wendell Moore, we've mentioned, Sam, I know you've mentioned, Wendell Moore has not been super efficient lately. This was a very efficient game for Wendell Moore. He's seven of nine. Actually, sorry. He's eight of 10, seven of nine. Sorry. Seven of nine from last night from the field. Yeah. yeah, Seven of nine from the field. Um, uh, Hit his only three-pointer. was kind of a desperation three-pointer, but he he hit it. Uh, And... And was a guy who impacted the box score in a lot of different ways, you know, got rebounds. He got assists. He was one, he led the team in assists. Uh, It was a pathetic assist night for Duke. And I'm sure we're going to get to that when we get to the bad, but, but the one guy who had some assists was Wendell Moore Um, and a freaky stat. Wendell played more than 35 minutes in this game and he had a plus minus of plus six. Now I know plus minus is a really variable stat. It doesn't mean a lot. There are all kinds of things that go into it, but, basically in the 35 minutes he was in the game, Duke won the game by six and the five minutes he was not in the game. Duke lost the game by eight. So that's kind of, that's, that's pretty telling and something that I want to look at and continue to watch over the next, you know, several games to see if that continues to happen. Clearly when Wendell Moore was in the game, Duke was doing okay. When he was out of the game, Duke did terrible. I mean, we, we lost the game by eight in the five minutes that Wendell Moore was not in the game and in a game that we only lost by, by two points. So, that's good on him. I guess he's one of the other guys who who played, who played hard. Um, and, and I know we'll talk later. I, I, he, was, he was one of the guys, along with Coach K, who did the post-game news conference. And he had some very revealing things to say about the team's effort. Um, and, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Guys, I know we didn't have a lot
0: of good. But you know what? Because I know this next segment is going to be especially long, let's take a break right here. Uh, the good is done. When we get back, everyone sit down. It's time to have the veggies. There's a lot on our plate. I I don't think we have anything left on the good. So we will get to the meat of what this podcast will be. And that is uh, the veggies. And honestly, Jason, I want to start with something that Wendell Moore said in the press conference last night, they were asking him about, what coach case said to them in the locker room after the defeat. And he said, his message was really that we didn't listen to him and he was right. As a team, we didn't listen to the scouting report that they gave to us, not just from a personnel standpoint, but from a standpoint that we need to be hungry. That word hungry is something that we have talked about all season energy, you know, being hungry, being, you know, everything, that you need to be in a game when you have, when you walk into a game wearing DUKE on the front of your chest. That is something that no matter what happened in previous years, we could always be like, hey, Duke's going to go down swinging. We may have a team play their best game of the season against us, but it's going to take a lot to beat us. Last night, Miami didn't play their best game of the season. We played our worst game this season, as Jason alluded to. And it was because our energy was not there from the get-go. We probably, I don't know if we were looking ahead to Miami or to UNC, or if we just overlooked Miami because of their record and just how many injuries they had. But this is a team that shot over 50% from the floor or from three-point land, and they only shoot 26% on the season. So you have guys that just weren't. They didn't read the scouting report. They didn't come prepared. They didn't come hungry. They didn't come with energy. They didn't come with all these intangibles that you have, you need to win basketball games, especially that we've shown this year. We absolutely need to win basketball games. It just wasn't there. Uh, Jason, I know you have a lot, Sam. I'm going to let you take the first one after me.
1: I want to talk about Duke's defense. And there are a couple aspects of Duke's defense that I think are worth dissecting. One is Duke's inability to to wreak havoc on Miami before the shot goes up. There were a number of times last night where it wasn't clear that a particular Duke player, and, and this applies to many of them. I don't want to single one or two guys out. There were a number of them who either didn't know what their defensive assignment was, didn't know what type of defense was being played. I know that Duke was switching between the the man and the zone a little bit, which maybe was getting confusing for a for a young team, but there were guys missing defensive assignments all over the place, which allowed Miami not just to take open shots, but to have a little bit more free movement so that when they were when they were passing the ball and when they were taking shots, they were getting them in rhythm, in motion, clearly in the flow of an offense. Miami was running the offense that Jim Lariniega designed, not the offense that they were being forced to play because Duke was was doing some effective defensive trapping on defending shots. Duke uh, let Miami shoot over fifty percent from three last night, which I think is probably the flukiest uh, you know excuse for for Duke losing this game. Miami makes anything close to a season average, even. Even close to a like normal team's output, like a like a really good three-point shooting team is hitting 37, 38% of their threes. Miami is fifteen points better than that. If they're shooting anywhere closer to that, Duke wins this game by six points and or or four points or whatever. And we talk about how woof the effort was bad, but at least Duke came out with the victory. And in this instance, they they make so much more, but that also applied on two pointers. Miami made over fifty percent of their two pointers. There was nowhere that the Duke was preventing Miami from from making shots. It starts with the missed defensive assignments, but that's also in contesting.
2: Jason, yeah, I, I mean Sam hit on one of the major things I wanted to talk about. Uh, speaking of defense, so Miami had a ten minute stretch in the second half. I went back and looked where they scored on twelve out of fourteen possessions including getting all five three-pointers. Uh, you're right, Sam. Duke was, Duke was switching. Coach K was switching us from zone to man and man to zone. And, and Coach K in the postgame talked a little bit about the fact that, uh, that he was trying to find a combination that would work. Um, and he, he said our man-to-man was just horrible. We couldn't stop them at all. And he said, that's why we went to zone. And, and that worked for a little while, but then that petered out in the second half and he said, it didn't matter what we played. We didn't play it well, <laughs> which was, you know, a very telling comment by the man <sighs> just uh, super frustrating. Um, I, I don't know how coach K is dealing with this. I, I'm sort of shocked. He isn't ready to retire. I mean, I, I would have had this team running sprints during timeouts or, or, you know, it's an empty stadium. Maybe I would have had them running this, the stadium stairs, running stadiums instead. But, um, They, they did not seem to have the desire to win that you expect from a Duke team. And that is a really, really serious thing. And, and I guess now is when I'm going to get into, you know, Wendell talking about the fact that Wendell said the team lacked energy. He said uh, he could sense it, um, that everybody could sense it, that coach K kept on telling them they needed to focus and they didn't listen. Uh, and he said they did not have a good practice leading up to this game. And Coach K said that he saw it in practice yesterday and he tried to fix it. Um, and, and, and we just couldn't. He kept on saying that we were soft. Uh, he, he lamented the fact that we just kept on giving them easy baskets. He said we like threw them the ball like five different times and just let them get an easy basket out of it, which was just uh, just inexplicable. And I want to I want to give you guys this isn't a direct quote but some of the, this is sort of a smattering of things, of notes that I took when I was listening to Coach K. He said, he told the team, if you come to Miami to play, we will lose. If you come to Miami to compete, we will win. The game doesn't care about what you did in your previous game. If you don't come completely immersed in it, it will not reward you, and the game will hold you accountable. And he said, he told them, don't be happy, be hungry. I think those are amazing words of advice and it's clear that this team, that it went in one ear and out the other for this team, that they did not listen at all. And it's just, it's, like I say, it's just extremely frustrating to to watch this team play at times. And, and I have to wonder if when they get back, you know, if they're not going to have their names on the locker, or if the locker room will be closed or something like that, Coach K is probably going to use one of his motivational tactics on these guys. And I don't blame him one bit. And I don't think it's cheesy that he does it because they need to earn the right to wear D-U-K-E on their jersey because right now they're not earning it. One of my friends
1: texted me the other day during, not during this game, during the previous game, and asked, uh, like, just pretty much out of the blue, how come Duke hasn't appointed captains this year for the basketball team? And my response was, we don't know. And, and as much as we have, have tried to figure that out, you know, I I think people have asked on, on press conferences before, and the, the players and the coaches have really deflected on that question. We, we haven't, I think, gotten a, a really satisfying answer. And last night was an example of what happens when the team doesn't have a captain and it's not clear that there's a, that there's a leader on the floor for the, for the team. Coach K isn't out there running the plays and and calling the plays, you know, from the top of the key. He's he's on the sideline. Once the w- once the ball is rolling, there's very little that he can do to to affect what's actually going on on the court. And I think that there's a a little bit of a leadership void on court that is is holding this team back. And, and to your point, Jason, it it feels like Coach K is going to have to go to one of those I'll call it, motivational gimmicks to to get this team to care a little more. Uh, about
2: how hard they're playing Uh, you know what i wonder i I wonder why coach k didn't use his bench more in a game where guys clearly weren't getting it done the guys on the floor weren't playing hard we we only played our bench uh, wait what was the stat uh we we only played three guys off our bench roach williams and joey baker gets in the game for less than two minutes i mean joey basically did not play Uh, We don't play Jamin Breakfield at all. Henry Coleman, uh, you know. The bench effectively,
1: here, here, I'll I'll put this in a different context. The bench in total got the fifth most points on the team if the bench was one player. There's only one starter that played less than the entire bench, and that was Jalen
2: Johnson. Uh, So Miami, Miami has a, a terrible bench because they've been racked by injuries and stuff this year. Uh, you know, we coming into this game, one of the things Donald previewed was the fact that they don't go deep on their bench. Their bench outscores us 10 to four. They, they, they were playing guys, you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes off the bench and getting actual production out of those players. But Coach K decided not to use his bench at all in this game uh, in a game. where We're playing on basically one day's rest. I, I, I kind of don't get that. It doesn't make sense to me. And then the other thing I wanna talk about, God, the, the ball movement was non-existent. We only had eight assists in this game, only two assists in the entire second half. DJ Stewart, Jordan Goldwire, and Jeremy Roche, our three primary ball handlers, you know, our three guards combined, combined for one assist, and they made five turnovers, including I counted at least four horrible giveaways. Just where you they just toss the ball to the other team and Miami got a, a run out for an easy bat, not even mildly contested. That's it's unforgivable. I, I don't understand. I, I it's like I don't understand how these guys are the same guys who played Clemson a few days ago. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. It doesn't look like the same team. So the the one
0: thing I want to give you, I was gonna talk about the fact that they just weren't passing the ball the office felt stagnant and just kind of lazy but I, i'll give you the stat of the game uh it comes after the game that was our worst loss according to ken pom since the florida state game in 2002 and in a, in during the broadcast
2: wait 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 wow uh, really that's an amazing yeah. stat
0: yeah that is our worst loss since give that again the <laughs> worst loss according to ken pom it's the worst loss duke has had since florida state in 2002
1: Measured by measured by the Ken Palm ranking of the opponent at the time when we played the the game. I I think it was like, it was like one, uh, it was one spot, one or two spots worse than the previous record.
0: Right. Miami was, was, is 118 in was, was 118 in Ken Palm last night when we played them. And the problem with it is, is during the broadcast, they were talking about bracketology. We talked about the NCAA tournament about how we need to rattle off some wins to kind of make this happen. And they were saying, as of right now, we're the next four out. Not the first four out, the next four out. So we're one of the eight teams that are off the bubble, that are that are, our bubble will be bust. But they were talking about, if we played like we did last week, we ain't got to worry about it. We'll be safely in. And all we got to do is continue to keep this upward trajectory. Well, last night is what they call in NCAA talk, a very bad loss. And... In a season where we don't have a lot of quality wins, bad losses do not help our resume whatsoever. And I hate saying this about Duke University, but we need some resume boosters. This weekend won't be one. For the first time since 1960, both Duke and UNC will play that game in a gym without a number next to either name in ranking. That is incredible if you think about it. Literally, in our lifetimes, we've never seen this, what's going to happen on Saturday. But we need some quality wins, and we need to play with some urgency. If that urgency wasn't evident last night, it better be evident on Saturday and beyond. Because if we don't have it, we're going to be watching March from home like we and have been
1: all if you, season. If you look at Duke and North Carolina's current resumes, neither is great. And, and both Duke and UNC could theoretically miss the tournament this year given that they're you know they're hovering in the in the 30s in Kenpom and and neither is looking particularly strong i know we're going to preview UNC a little bit more thoroughly later this week on a on a special extra episode but but UNC is motivated to make sure that they don't end up behind duke like like this is an urgent game for these teams normally they are playing for kind of big boy bragging rights but at the end of the season you know Duke gets a two seed in the tournament and UNC gets a three seed or a one and a two or something. And like the actual outcomes of the games don't make a huge difference on seed lines and, and, and any of that stuff. This game matters for making it into the NCAA tournament. Both of these teams are in a way fighting for their
2: lives at this point. You know, by the way, and not that it makes it at all acceptable, but Duke and UNC, not the only blue bloods in in this boat, Kentucky, Kentucky, Michigan state, even Kansas. I mean, it is not impossible to imagine that we could be playing an NCAA tournament with no Duke, no Kentucky, no UNC, no Kansas, no Michigan state. Think about, think about the odds you could have gotten in Las Vegas on that in the preseason kind, kind of crazy, but I want to, I, I want to get to one other thing I have guys. I've figured out who this Duke team is and, and, and you're not going to like it, but see if you guys agree with me on this comparison. I feel like we're watching, to some extent, the 2006-2007 Duke team. That was the team that was, it was loaded with freshmen and sophomores. Like, it was almost nothing but freshmen and sophomores. Demarcus Nelson was the only upperclassman on that team. That team was built around a big man who wasn't exactly a take-you-in-the-post-bang-you kind of big man. He, he was more finesse, Josh McRoberts. I think there's, you know, Josh McRoberts not entirely dissimilar from Matthew Hurt, not saying they're the same but not entirely dissimilar Um, that, that, that team, you know, had a youngster uh, in the backcourt in John Shire. And and I feel like DJ Stewart is not entirely a dissimilar kind of player from John Shire. Uh, That team had a, had a spectacular athlete who is a freshman uh, in Gerald Henderson, Jalen Johnson, Gerald Henderson, again, you know, not a crazy comparison there. Uh, But, you know, one of the more experienced guys in that team was the point guard, Greg Paulus, Paulus and Jordan Goldwire, you know, Paul's a little bit better pass wire, passer, Goldwire a little bit better defender. But, you know, you can see the comparisons, uh, you know, again and again. And, and that Duke team, it had some decent wins. It beat a ranked Gonzaga, a ranked Georgetown team. It, it had a road win against a ranked Boston College team. But it had some terrible losses. They, that team lost to a Florida State team at home that didn't even win half its ACC games. It lost in overtime to an NC State team that only won five ACC games. So it was a team that was very up and down, and I think we all remember how that season ended. It ended in a first-round NCAA loss to Virginia Commonwealth. Um, one of the you know one of the worst Duke seasons we've seen in a long time. Again, the comparisons aren't perfect. I'm sure people are going to be able to pick it apart in a million different ways. That was another very 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 young Duke team. Like I said, all freshmen and sophomores pretty much. And like this team, it's a team that just frustratingly up and down, that doesn't seem like it's on a trajectory that's going to lead it anyplace in March.
1: Jason, I actually think that comparison is is very good and makes a lot of sense. I just pulled that team up on Ken Palm. Do you know where that team ended up at the end of the season on Ken Palm? No. Like, that, like take like a, 19th. Take a guess. Yeah, Donald Donald guessed 19. Jason, you got a guess on that one? This is obviously like after the whole season's over, so it's a little distorted by by tournament, um, tournament outcomes. I'll, I'll go 28, 10 Come the on. 2007 Duke team ended up 10 in the final kenpom ranking,
0: Jason. I only know, I only guessed 19 wow. because 19 is until this year was the worst ranking we had ever had in the history of the kenpom
1: poll So, so even as, as you know, it's funny. Cause we look back on that team. They, they underachieved wildly, right? They, they had a lot of talent. McRoberts and Paulus were, were back from really stellar freshman campaigns where they were playing kind of behind JJ Redick and Josh McRoberts. So, or Sheldon, uh, Williams, Sheldon Williams. So we were kind of like, Oh, they're just going to, you know, vault into those roles Demarcus Nelson was experienced and he was pretty good. And, and they had the freshmen, you talked about John Shire and, and Brian Zubek had a lot of potential. Everyone was excited about Lance Thomas and Gerald Henderson. And, and it just never came together for them. They, they had those, those weird losses I attended, I attended, a, I think just one game that year, but I saw Duke play Maryland in Cameron when Maryland had Grievous Vasquez and Maryland was just way better than, than Duke was that year. And even as bad as that team is, they basically grayed out better in every statistical way than this current iteration of the Duke team.
2: Yeah. Maybe I should be hoping that we're the 2017. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) And, and look, they, that, that team was, was, underseeded, according to Ken Palm, according to their, to their record, they were probably seated about appropriately. I think they were, you said they were a six seed, right? Is it six or a seven? They were a six seed. And, and that, that kind of made, that felt right. I think to Duke fans, and it was like, okay, you know, they could bounce back in the tournament and maybe they could make it to the sweet 16 if, if all that talent kind of comes together. And then Eric Maynard just blew that up in our faces. But um, I don't think this team has, has kind of reached the, the height that the 2007 team has reached yet. And that is a really concerning thing.
2: Well, that 2017 had several, like I said, several good wins um, that this team doesn't have yet. And, and it's a team that swooned down the stretch. Um, you know, it got, it, which is the
1: challenge of youth, right? Like basically yeah. everyone on that team was either new to college basketball or new to the huge role that they were playing. So yeah, they- They Um, had everyone kind of hit the wall. They had
2: a four game losing streak in early February, and then they lost their final four games of the season. Um, So they they did not close well.
0: (laughs) I will say one last thing about Miami. I mean, Miami, you know, they didn't play remarkably well, but they played well enough to win. You got to give them credit. But I, I told my friends this last night. Last night is what happens when you give a hopeless team hope. Miami was a team that was down the dumps. They are missing their best player like most of their best players are hurt or not playing much because of injuries. They are having a short bench. They were playing off of a short week, just like we were. They were 11 point underdogs and they came out and said, and, and Duke gave them hope and said, Oh, maybe you can win this thing. And once Miami smelt that they said, Hey, if, if they think we can win it, we should just go ahead and win it. And even, like I said, even despite that, we got all the way down to the end and we had a chance to win and we couldn't get a shot off. And, and that basically signified the entire night. We gave them hope where hope was where hope wasn't to be found from them. And they took it in and used seized an opportunity. So you have to give them credit for that. And for us, we have to figure out what team we want to be because Saturday is the big one. I don't I don't care what America thinks about it this year, but we know it's the big one. We don't want to lose to UNC ever. And Now we have to put our minds and get behind that and and use that to be the springboard for the rest of our season. We still have plenty of games left to make this happen, but if we don't play like we did last week, then those will be the last few games of our season. And we have to approach it with the urgency that it commands. Okay, guys. So we will leave it there. We have a lot of work to do. As I mentioned before the game on Saturday, the first UNC game of the year, We are going to be doing a UNC preview show later on this week, along with a mid-season review of the ACC. We're hoping to land a wonderful guest for that show, so stay tuned to that, everyone. But for now, that will do it for Episode 276 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Again, look for that UNC preview and ACC mid-season review later on this week and let's get ready for the big game on Saturday. America may think this game is dumb because no numbers are next to the names but we all know it's the game so for Sam Klein and Jason Evans I'm Donald Wine this is the Duke Basketball Report podcast and this is the Duke Band to take you home.